Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's turn on the tunes. Okay. Ready? How did we start this last time? Did we say hi, who we are, and then, and then, right? We say who we are first, right? Yes. Yeah. Hi, right. friends. I'm Kylie. I'm okay. Kenzie. I'm Max. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> hi, friends. I'm Kylie. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Alex. And this is Accusing, Boozing, and Cruising, a podcast where we're going for a little drive, doing a little drinking, and talking a lot about spooky and scary shit that goes bump in the night. A little warning, there will be some stories that may be too graphic or may have topics that you may that may make you uncomfortable. Also, we are not promoting drinking and driving. So if you plan on driving, make sh- no, no, don't drive. If you plan on drinking, make sure you have yourself a designated driver to get you where you need to go. That's a good warning. <laughs> this week, we are crossing the border of Washington into Idaho. Before we get into our Idaho facts, does, do we have any like little life updates or personal things we want to share? Uh, we solved a murder last night. Yeah. Yeah, we literally solved a murder. So yeah, if you guys need anybody cold to case. solve cold cases, hit us up. You know, we're professionals. Uh, we got one of those packs off of Amazon that's like unsolved cases, and you like put up the like suspect pictures and you find clues and we did it and it was really fun it was a lot of fun i got to be the reader even though i'm not a very good reader <laughs> clearly um, clearly <laughs> you know I, you can probably tell from the last two episodes um <laughs> alex found the one of the big breaking things for us the bridge was closed the bridge, the bridge was, was closed, closed. <laughs> he couldn't have made it over the bridge um we almost lost alex last night uh he yeah started choking i almost and- died yeah. That was fun. I yeah. choked on a B12 uh, gummy vitamin <laughs> because somebody made me laugh. Yeah, his face turned bright red and I was freaking out. And Mackenzie's too short to have done the Heimlich Maroover. I'm the... Maroover? The Heimlich Maroover. I'm training to be a firefighter if you saw anything in my bio. So, like, I have a little bit of EMT MS experience. I'm the resident... Fix it. Fix it. But she's also, like, a foot shorter than me. Yeah, how tall are you? Six three, and I'm five two. So like, there's no way I could have physically done it. But you know. <laughs> she would have had to talk either sorry through it or me through it. Yeah. And so I just, I it probably would have been sorry. Yeah. Um. It was it was a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm thinking about purchasing one for my birthday. A B twelve gummy. <laughs> no, I don't like gummy the vitamins. Juice. They make me gay. Me yeah. too. <laughs> Yeah, they have a bunch of different kinds. Yeah, I looked at some of them. Um, yeah, they looked really fun. And I showed my mom and she seemed pretty into it. Nice. So, yeah. Um, that's all I have, though, for updates. Yeah. School started again, but... My life is still a mess. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you got any other updates? Uh, everything is just peachy. <laughs> just peachy. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, let's get into some facts about Idaho. Idaho, Idaho is the state. Idaho. <laughs> Idaho is the 14th largest state and the 13th least populous, which means it's not very densely populated. Uh, the primary industries in Idaho are manufacturing, agriculture, mining, forestry, and somehow tourism. Hmm. Oh, do they uh, go to look at potatoes? Yeah. Yeah. I should yeah. I should have looked more into the tourism. Although so Idaho does have <clears throat> where is that? I'll jump ahead to that fact. Excuse Alex if he clears his throat. Like we said, he almost choked and died last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did that. Oh, I don't think I wrote it down, but Idaho has one of the uh well, the largest continuous protected wilderness area, which is the That's um cool. The Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness Area, which is the largest continuous protected wilderness. And I've never heard of no it. Return. That's a terrible name. I Frank Church River of No Return. probably never heard of it because no one returned. I think that's yeah, a big I guess um, so. push in tourism because I would definitely visit that river. Yeah. yeah. Let's add it to the I list would of too. places. Challenge accepted. Okay. I will return. Thank where, you very much. Where was the place for Washington? The bar? Mineral? Mineral? Wa- oh, no, yes. I decided I no. didn't want to go to Mineral. We don't Washington. want to get strangled by a tube sock. <laughs> no, um, but in the bar. So... So for Washington, we have the bar. For Idaho, we have 
The place of no return. The river of no return. Perfect. We'll have an ongoing list. Mm-hmm. Like the jungle. We'll go on a tour. Of an actual road trip through the U.S. <laughs> one yeah, day. Yeah, season two, we're going to do a real road trip. Probably not, actually, because we have responsibilities in life. And I have Estella. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, <laughs> Idaho's uh, geography is described by Wikipedia, which is where I get most of my info for these little snippets. So don't expect much. And if I'm wrong, sorry, it was <laughs> Wikipedia's fault. Um, is described as rugged and unspoiled, which is how I like to describe myself. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are supposed to laugh out loud, not quietly. Interesting. <laughs> unspoiled? What I do you mean it. by unspoiled? Um, how, would, how would... Not spoiled. I've had to work really hard for everything in my life, despite being a white, cis, straight man. So... Hmm. Did we did we say you were the golden child or someone else? Me, Alex. Me, me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so rugged and spoiled is how I would like to describe myself. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's got a lot of wilderness area, which is, you know, part of the reason why there's nobody that lives there. Although back in like the eighteen sixties, um Boise City uh, wait, Boise City? Is that right? No, Idaho City oh. was the largest city in the Northwest. The Whoa. biggest, most populous city between San Francisco and St. Louis. Wow. Bigger than Portland, even. And that's not saying much because in 1860, that standard was that it had 7,000 people. Hmm. <laughs> so it's not up to date. No. It's probably It's no longer even ranking. Yeah. But it was so big because Idaho is home to one of the largest gold rushes in the U.S. that nobody ever talks about. The Boise Basin Gold Rush, as well as the uh, slightly smaller French Creek Florence Gold Rush. I would like to give you guys some perspective. Um, in 2019, the census said that the population for this the little town that we grew up in was 5,313 people. Mm-hmm. Our tiny town of Blaine. <laughs> Had 5,000 people. But back in 1860, one of the largest cities on this side of the U.S. was 7,000 people. That's crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't say we were... (laughs) I never have described... We're one stoplight town. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Burger King? That's it. Yeah. Anyway, um, back in 1860, George Grimes and Moses Splawn, who have great names... Splawn. Splon. Uh, we're told apparently by a Native American that there were uh, fistfuls of gold in the Boise Basin. You could just pick it up off the ground. There was so much. In handfuls. Wow. And they did find a lot of gold over there. Um, 90 tons of gold have come out of the Boise area. And about 34 tons have come out of the French Florence area. Uh, although gold is not like a... It's not a huge industry over there right now anymore. A little bit is coming off of the uh, silver mining byproduct. You still find gold? Yeah. Sometimes. Huh. L- really small amounts of Whenever it. Like I nothing think... gold rush crazy. But I mean, there's a whole show on, what is it, the History Channel? Oh, Discovery. you're right. I don't know. Whenever I think of gold rushes, I always think of, uh, it was a Mary-Kate and Ashley movie <laughs> where they went and... <laughs> <laughs> they went and stayed at like someone's ranch with a group of people who were on like a business retreat came to that ranch mm-hmm. and there was some big thing about finding this gold and like screwing over everybody on the business thing but then they came to find out that that gold was just uh, fool's gold oh. oh shit so it was just this stupid thing but that's the only, only thing I think of when I think of Gold Rush. <laughs> Mary Kate and Ashley. What I think of is Pocahontas when he's like, where's your gold? And she shows oh, yeah. corn. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah That's yeah, what yeah. I thought you were going to say. Just... No. No corn in Idaho. Just potatoes. And also no Mary Kate and Ashley Wilson in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the, the namesake of Idaho is pretty interesting. Uh, Back when they were designating Idaho as a territory, George M. Willing claimed, um, oh, he he suggested the name Idaho, claiming that it was a Shoshone Native American term for the sun comes from the mountains or something like gem of the mountains. 
But that's actually bullshit. He oh. just made it up after he met some little girl named Ida. Oh. So Ida. So Ida Ho. I don't know why he added Ho to the end of it. It's kind of <laughs> seems kind of like rude that he would just be like, "Oh, this little child. She looks like a hoe. We're going to call this new state Idaho." That's a little cr- and then wow. to also make up the new like this is what yeah. this word means. Idaho's nickname is the Gem State because it's so beautiful, not because there's lots of gems there, just cuz it's beautiful. So I don't know. I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, Idaho has been inhabited all the way since 14,500 years ago by the Nez Perce tribes in the north and the north and west Shoshone tribes in the south. And uh, another interesting thing that I like about Idaho is that Napoleon Dynamite takes place there (laughs) in Preston, Idaho, where the director went to high school. Hmm. I didn't know that. So, yeah. For those of you Napoleon Dynamite nerds, go see, uh... Napoleon cool. Dynamite Mecca in the small town of Preston, Idaho. And Add it to the list. <laughs> my own little personal thing, my connection to Idaho, is that my favorite podcast is hosted by a guy who lives in Idaho, Dan Cummins of Time Suck, has the Suck Dungeon in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So um, if you're getting bored with us, go listen to Time Suck. He lives in Coeur d'Alene? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I went mm-hmm. to Coeur d'Alene almost every year for mm-hmm. like... 10 years because my dad coached a golf team and they would go to Coeur d'Alene and do all the fancy golf courses and I would just get to tag along. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> I don't know. I my dad a couple times. drove through the panhandle on our way back from our big road trip from Kentucky. We didn't stop. It was our last day. We were like, mm. we're going. That's another thing I like about Idaho is that it has a panhandle. I just like states that have panhandles because <laughs> I think it's funny that they call them the panhandle. Like... Oh, the long, skinny part of the state. It looks kind of like the handle. Yeah, Yeah, Oklahoma, Idaho. I guess, I think Florida has a panhandle too. Yeah, technically. Uh, I think that's all I got. Nice. Okay. Not as much as last week, but I don't really care as much about Idaho as I do (laughs) about Washington. So The only times I've been to Idaho is literally to go to Coeur d'Alene. I've been twice. I went Mm -hmm. with my friend a really long time ago and then my mom recently yeah i've only gone to go to Coeur d'Alene and um a little bit outside of Coeur d'Alene. i don't remember what where it was but there was a water park that was dinosaur themed nice. and so mm-hmm. when we were younger and would go with my dad my mom would take us to that water park so we weren't like bored nice. in a hotel room all day i think it's cute i love yeah. Coeur d'Alene. yeah i don't remember but... I did, uh, one of my friends, when I was growing up, went to Idaho to stay with his grandparents over the summer, and he said that you can tow two trailers behind your truck at the same time. Like, just tow a trailer behind your other trailer. There's one of, like, the legal things you can do. Yeah. And also, when we were driving through, I'm pretty sure I saw people driving quads on the road. So, Idaho Probably. sounds like a pretty awesome state. If Alex like, would like to now move to Idaho. Yee shit, like I do. <laughs> one more little thing, um... The, my old work, one of the owners, he just bought, like, an insane big property in Idaho with, like, four mm. other families, and they're going to go make, like, a compound and be self-sufficient and stuff. So he's starting a, a cult? cult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have yeah. weird religious beliefs? Yeah, so he's She's starting nodding. a cult. <laughs> um, oh, no. But yeah, with, like, four other families, and apparently that's, like, a really common thing to do is go to Idaho, build, like, buy a bunch yeah. of land with a lot of people and I just live it. there. There's a lot Idaho of land. Idaho where there's a lot of polygamy? No, we just went over that. That's Utah. Utah. My bad. The Mormons. I thought it was different things. Yeah. Well, move on. <laughs> move on! <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so the alcohol this week is Evan Williams <laughs> bourbon whiskey. Um, we couldn't find... We're Okay, we only got the airplane bottle sizes because we're not big dark alcohol drinkers. Um, and so the one we could find was honey. So we will be sipping on that throughout this whole show, and uh, let's let's just take a take a small swig of it right now, Carly. I smelled it. I don't like it. It smells like just straight. Just I haven't like smelled it yet. Rubbing alcohol. Ooh, this bottle says that it is thirty five percent alcohol, seventy proof. So okay, That's and a, we are ching. gonna take sips. Alex is gonna take pictures. It'll be a great time. Oh. It's not good. Ours actually seems to be handling it better than Kenzie. I couldn't swallow it. Ooh. Oh. 
Okay, never mind. I swallowed it. <laughs> it burns. I think the honey kind of makes it better, though. I couldn't get any out of the small lip, so it just sat on, oh, like, no. the hole just, the hole just sat on my lip for a while, and I was like, why isn't anything coming out? Mm. And then, yeah, um, I might need to pour this into a cup to actually continue to sip on it, though. Okay, I'll grab your glass. Because apparently I don't know how to use bottles correctly. <laughs> that, it, you can just fire down your throat. You, I think, can just grab one of the small shot glasses. Um, they're in the liquor cabinet. You know, the liquor cabinet. Yeah, the no-no cupboard. <laughs> the no-no cupboard. Stella, that's the no-no cupboard. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> um, okay, Alex, who is going first this week? Kenzie! Thank you. Kenzie! Yeah. I, went, I went twice, twice last... I went first twice... Already. I'm she okay twice, with it. First twice lead. Twice. <laughs> I'm alright with it because I kind of just want to get this one out of the way. Um, I chose this case without actually knowing what it was about. And mm. then I was too far into it to turn back. And it's um pretty awful. It so is. brace yourselves. They just keep telling me it's bad. And I'm just like, great. I'm so not ready for this. Yeah. Alex is rubbing my back. It must be very bad. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to get comfy in my chair here. In 2005, two children went missing. That's all I'm going to say about that. We know who did it. It was Joseph Duncan. And I'm going to get into a little bit of his background first. So, for his parents um, and family, Duncan was the fourth of five children. His father was in the army and they moved every two years in and around the U.S. as well as Europe. His parents ended up divorcing 22 years after marriage. In high school... He experimented with LSD, amphetamines, barbiturates. I don't really sure how to say that word, but it is a sedative. Barbiturates. Or barbiturates. Okay. <laughs> it's a sedative um, or like hypnotic Sorry, when or sleep this? inducing. This is in high school. What year? I don't know. Oh, sorry. Okay. Alcohol is a barbiturate. Is yeah, it? Depressive. Yeah, it's oh. just like a downer. Downer, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, volume and PCP. So he, you know, he knew how to have fun, mm-hmm. apparently. Party Lots animal. of fun. Um, Same. <laughs> he was arrested at 15 um, for driving a stolen car. Because he was a child when he was arrested for this, he was sent to Dislin's Boys Ranch in Tacoma for Washington? several months. Mm-hmm. Okay. A boys so, ranch. You gotta love a good boys <laughs> ranch. I saw, sorry, I saw a TikTok, I think I sent it to Alex, about Tacoma <laughs> and it was really funny because it's like these are the things Tacoma has and then one of the things was robot tit oh I it saw was that the Tacoma dome and yeah. it was oh. really funny <laughs> um so I'm sorry I forgot to say Duncan he's from Tacoma Washington that's um, where he was born and raised okay yeah or that's where he ended up that's a good place to do a bunch of drugs when you're a teenager it's true <laughs> uh, so he was sent to this boys ranch in Tacoma for quote several months um, according to a report by Associated Press, while at the ranch, Duncan told a therapist he had bound and sexually assaulted six boys from the ages from six to ten years old. He estimated by 16 he had also raped 13 younger boys. At the school for boys? He he told the, um, a therapist this okay, at the ranch. Okay, so there, was it at. was just anywhere he could have done it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. During that car chase for which he got caught for at 15... He was running from the cops. He ran into a roadblock that actually shattered his sinuses and the right side of his face Oof. while running from the cops. So that's kind of crazy. Just before turning 17, he broke into a home of a neighbor, stealing four guns, a thousand rounds of ammunition, and porn magazines. He said he intended to return home and use the magazines, but then decided, why not the real thing? Quote, so I got a gun and went cruising for a victim. End quote. It's from his, like, court questionnaire. So nonchalant. The victim was a 14-year-old boy. Do we know if the magazines were... Female? No, no. It doesn't say. Mm -mm. Mm. Because it seems like a lot of his victims are male. Most are, yeah. But, uh, but no, it never said. Um... As a 14-year-old boy, he held him at gunpoint and made him go into the woods, strip, perform oral twice. He then hit him with a stick, burned him with a cigarette on the butt, and then let him go. Hmm. Just let him go. 
Wow, how nice of him. Yeah. Um, he was eventually caught for this. Um, this would be the first time he was sentenced with a sex crime. He was sentenced for 20 years, but only served 14 with parole. <laughs> he served at Western Hospital, so they never sent him to a jail. They sent him to, like, a like an institution. He got out on good behavior? Um, yeah. Quote, unquote, good behavior. While at this hospital, Duncan told a therapist a different one. Mm. At eight years old, he performed incestuous acts on a female relative. At 12 years old, he forced a five-year-old to perform oral on him. Jesus. At 15, he raped a nine-year-old at gunpoint. Hospital notes state, quote, It is important to note Mr. Duncan went out looking for victims. Sorry, Kylie just took another sip of her drink, and it's a lovely face. <laughs> Mackenzie's story already makes me sad, so... <laughs> um. This it, guy was just oh. fucked up from the very beginning. From the get-go. Pretty much. Yeah. Did he have a bad home life, or he just... I, he something? must have. There's no way you could just, like, grow up in a normal, healthy, happy well, home and do all this something shit. Something probably might not be firing correctly in his ha- brain. Yeah. All I could really find was that they moved around a lot and that the parents divorced. Um, I believe the parents divorced because of money issues. Hmm. Um, but, yeah. Gas. Spending too much money on gas? Yep. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is stated in several articles that I looked at that the Western State Hospital just gave up on Duncan at 19 years old. Oh, great. Yeah. Hmm. Mm, solid. A therapist wrote that, quote, after 22 months in the program, Mr. Duncan has shown an unwillingness to modify his sexual deviant behaviors. Because you can't just, like, it's like you can't just... Turn it off. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. If you're into that, so we talked about this on the last episode too, but like if you're into that kind of stuff, you can't just decide to not be a rape. I don't, sorry, I can't articulate this very you well right now, but like, yeah. Were you just gonna pick up her drink? No. Liar. Maybe. <laughs> just look at it. I wasn't gonna drink it. You wanna smell it? <laughs> All I'm trying to say is, I don't think people who commit sex crimes should be let out. No, no, no. I think, yeah, I, yeah. If you're a pedophile, just stay locked up forever. Yes. Or you can go to the island off the coast of Washington that is for people who have committed sex crimes. Or Add have... it to our tourism destinations. No, no, no. They don't. I don't think they let women. Good. On the island, and they don't let kids. They don't have books or TV. I think it's like self-sustaining. They all have jobs there. But they're all just, I think, happy living their lives. And they, they, they've they all sent themselves there. I think like, that's fine. Personally, because they know they can't live in normal society without committing heinous crimes. If they've served their time that they were ordered, you know, mm-hmm. like that's what someone decided they were doing. Mm-hmm. And then they move to this island where they don't have contact with the outside world. I think that is just I think fine. some people go before they even commit crimes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, I think yeah. that's a great idea. I... I didn't know it was a real... Once again, something else you don't know about Washington. You know, about your own state. I didn't know it was a real thing until I was listening to a podcast and they brought it up. I guess Oprah covered it. <laughs> oh, probably. Or something like that. Timesake did a whole episode on it, but it was a while ago. I don't remember much. Oh. Um, so back to this quote. Um, he is not... He's, he's shown an unwillingness to modify his sexual deviant behaviors and has chosen not to commit himself to the program techniques. The hospital has some notes. Um, One of them was from Valentine's Day, 1982. His mother visited him and stayed at the house on campus. Um, So they had a house where they could stay with their families when they came to visit. While his mom slept, Duncan grabbed a coat, extension cords, and gloves, snuck out to a nearby house. He watched an 18-year-old girl, but then a dog barked and scared him, so he ran back to the cottage, waking his mom. Um, and his mom says she woke up, and then they just danced the rest of the night. They, they just danced? danced? Danced. Like, That's like slow danced, detail. or like... No, like, like a party. Like, they just danced. Okay. The mom and the boy? Yeah, I think she kind of... My theory is that she wanted to pretend it didn't happen, so like, well, let's just dance. <laughs> like, ah! Yeah. That's a weird chain of events. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh! Um, Duncan told the hospital he wanted to leave and spend the rest of his sentence in prison. Therapists told officials he is not safe at large. In total, Duncan served 14 years. He was out 
but then he broke his parole in 1994 and arrested again in 1996, released after several weeks. In 1997, arrested again, parole again. There's a violation in Missouri, and then he was released again in 2000. I just, kind of going back to what we talked about, there's a point where you shouldn't release... Yeah, if, if they're repeat like, offenders... Yes. Yeah. They're clearly like, not going to fix Like, one time is bad enough, but if it's, like, the fifth time, that's a, that's a habit, and it, you need to break it by keeping them in jail. Yes. Yeah. Yes. March 2005, Duncan molested two boys at a playground in Minnesota. Bail was set at $15,000, and an acquaintance posted it. Duncan skipped town and was now on the run. Great. May 2005. While on the run for this crime, <laughs> Kelly took another sip and she's hitting Alex's leg. It's not good. <laughs> not good. It burns. Um, <laughs> he saw two kids playing outside and he soon started to plan. Not? He no. He bought shoes, several sizes too large, in case he left footprints, and he purchased a BB gun oh. to use on the family's dogs. Gross. Duncan then broke into the house. He placed everyone in the living room. This includes Mark McKenzie, 37, his fiance Brenda Grove, 40, and her children Slade, 13, and Dylan, 9. Shasta, 8. He used zip ties. All boys? Um, Dylan was a boy. Shasta was a girl. Slade was a boy. Okay. Um, he used zip ties on all of them but the two youngest. He then put the two youngest in his car outside. That being Dylan, age 9, Shasta, age 8. Mm-hmm. Duncan proceeded to bludgeon the family with a hammer. Killing them? Killing them. Oh. The youngest, Shasta, reports she saw her brother Slade coming out of the front door, all bloody, um, and Duncan grabbing him back into the house. Oh. While they sat in the car. This started the biggest investigation in... Kootenai County history. Excuse me if I'm not saying that right. There were 100 FBI agents. 80 other investigators were involved. So, a lot. A lot of people. Yeah. Over the next six weeks, Duncan moved around to various campgrounds in Idaho and Montana, where he sexually, physically, and psychologically tortured these two children. Mm. He made the children call him Daddy. Or Jet. Why Jet? Yeah. That was a his weird nickname. Detail. He, like, gave, he gave himself that nickname. I'm Jet. I'm just this cool guy you get to hang out with named Jet. But also call me Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Like he wanted to also be their like father figure or it was... I think it was like a father. Like hmm. I think he wanted to trick them and be like, oh, maybe this will make them feel more comfortable. You can call me Dad now, kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Weird. He videotaped the abuse. Hmm. One of the videos he had... cases okay, so gets really graphic. Okay. One of the videos, he had Dylan hanging from a wire noose, beating him with a different wire. Um, I couldn't find any articles of any of the other stuff. I know there were more videos, um, but I honestly did not try too hard to find the details of the torturings. Um, It is said to have haunted the jurors to this day. The jurors were forced to watch all the videos that were found. Yeah. See, I think... I think it would be really interesting to be a juror for one of those, like, big mm-hmm, cases, mm-hmm. but then I also think about it, and I'm like, there's no, like, with the last case, the first case. Which one? Uh, what was it about? Your first case, the Morris, Morris murders, mm-hmm. um, when the jurors had to listen to the little girl on the tape. The audio clip, yeah. I, there's, like, no way you could come out of that and not think about it all the time. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah. just. So I will be honest, I did not look that hard to figure out how exactly he tortured these children because I didn't want to know. Fair. Um, Duncan killed Dylan with a sawed-off shotgun. It hit him in the stomach first. He then told um, Shasta it was an accident, it was an accident, go behind the truck. He then proceeded to shoot Dylan in the head. Oh. How long did he have him for? Six weeks. Before killing them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Duncan then wrapped him up in a plastic bag and burned him. Mm. He washed the ashes down the river, Shasta says. So she remembers because he made her help. Oh, she survives. Yes. Okay. 
Shasta begged him not to kill her, and he told her, Shasta says that he told her, quote, she taught me how to love. She taught me how to love? Yeah, so she taught Duncan how to love, apparently. Shasta did? Yeah. It's not like that. No. That's not how you love. No. Buddy. What? Yeah. Around 1 or 2 a.m. one day, a waitress at a Denny's recognized Shasta and called the police. They then arrested Duncan. Duncan did not resist. So he knew he was caught. Um, Their billboards were everywhere. This was like the biggest. Their pictures were everywhere. Everyone knew what they looked like. Mm -hmm. There's also some video footage of him going into, it's either a gas station or a grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, I've included the pictures in my um, little Mm -hmm. thing um, where it's just Duncan and Shasta. This is after he killed Dylan. Yeah, finding him at Denny's was pretty crazy. The episode I listened to of of Time Suck also about um, this case said that he walked in and some people at a table instantly recognized um, Shasta from literally from a poster that was on the wall in the Denny's. And then they oh, wow. take the poster down and to then, not, yeah, and like, they told, suspicion? Yeah, they told one of the waitresses who had also already recognized him. They took the poster down so that he wouldn't see it, so that Joseph Duncan wouldn't see it, and then called the cops. And they just, like, there were, like, I think, like, five or six cop cars outside before he noticed, and then they there, were, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm done. Shit. In this picture <laughs> you sent us, it's only Shasta. Yeah. Not Dylan? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's them walking into the Denny's, I think. I think it's a gas station. Oh, okay. I don't think... Well, maybe it might be a Denny's. I don't know. Somewhere. (laughs) Walking somewhere. The evidence presented in court was so gruesome, like I said, it is said to still haunt jurors to this day. Um, Afterwards, they were offered extensive counseling. Yeah. Because of how awful it was. Yeah. No kidding. Duncan pleaded guilty to all... Two accounts of kidnapping, three accounts of murder. He was sentenced to three consecutive years for kidnapping, but waited sentencing for the murders due to federal prosecution. Wouldn't it be four? Or they don't know what happened to Dylan yet? Because um, he murdered Dylan. And then the three other family members. Right, yeah. So his, that comes later. Oh, sorry. Okay. Two years later, so after the initial sentencing, mm-hmm. In December of 2007, after legal delays, psychiatric evals, Duncan acted as his own lawyer. Of course he did. Which is not <laughs> good. Never you should the never right do thing that. To do. But he did. It worked out great for Ted Bundy. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, he pleaded guilty to 10 counts of, 10 federal counts of kidnapping and the murder of Dylan. Okay. So that includes like the torturing, mm-hmm. all of the different things he did. August. 2008, a federal jury sentenced him to death. At this point, he was sentenced to at least nine life sentences. Yeah. Yeah. Concurrently or consecutively? It was, does he get to serve his nine life sentences all, all at the same lives. time? Which is called serving concurrently and for some reason exists? Or, or does he have to serve um, them all one in, after the other? Consecutive. Okay. Consecutive. Okay. Good. <laughs> Um, March 15th, 2011, he also pleaded guilty to another murder. Oh. One completely unrelated. A 10-year-old Anthony Martinez. Oh. Yeah. In March of 2020, Duncan was diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer and declined treatment. Duncan died March 2021 at the age of 58. Oh, so recently. Yes. Recently, yep. Yeah. Good riddance, asshole. A little bit about Shasta. Um, after so the man that was with her and her family was her um, mother's fiance so not her father Mm -hmm. Um, she was returned to her father she ended up having a really hard time in life yeah Um, she had problems with the law growing up at 17 she was arrested on drug charges she served a brief sentence but was arrested again in 2017 for more drug charges she was a mother of one and she was charged with leaving um, leaving meth where a child had access. Oh, she shit. pleaded guilty and served 18 months. Within a month, she broke probation, and she was on supervised probation in July of 2018. But now 
Shasta's in recovery. She has a husband and two kids, and she lives in Southern Idaho. And she's completely turned it around. There's a documentary. Um, she does a lot of interviews with it. Um, but yeah, she seems to have figured it out. That's that's awesome. I can't yeah. I can't even begin to imagine how how much of a toll that would have taken on her at age eight. You said eight. Yeah, you know, you're there, there's very little cases I've heard where kids have experienced that much trauma at that young of an age and like continued on to just be like happy and healthy and right. normal like right. they they they're gonna need a lot of help growing up and um psychologically with therapists or drugs or whatever and if they don't get it then they, they kind of can go down the wrong road right but it's good she's turned her life around mm-hmm. and um has found some peace it sounds like I was happy when I told you guys I was doing this case and Alex said that he had heard of it because I figured that he could add some details if I'd missed any like he has. Um, do you have any other details that I maybe missed or tidbits that you have? Um, not really. I think you mentioned they were just staying at like a dilapidated old abandoned cabin when at the last, that's the last place that he, he brought the kids before oh, okay. he... He killed Dylan and then left and was, like, going to gas stations and stuff. And when they went to the Denny's, um, I I want to say that I remember a lot of details about when he was torturing Dylan. He would, like, strangle him to the point of almost dying and then let him come back and just do that over and was over again. Was a lot of the... I'm, I'm sure Shasta got a lot of torture, but was a lot of the torture directed at Dylan? From what I could tell, yes. Mm, okay. Mainly. She got some of it, but mainly Dylan. I'm sure they both had a terrible time. Yeah. Um, and he was going to kill Shasta, and she begged him not to, and that's when he was like, oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think he, yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy she survived, but, like, where, where was that for Dylan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he would, like... He told Shasta, oh, it was an accident, it was an accident. He didn't mean for the shotgun to go off. And nobody can really say if that's true or not, like if he was setting it down and went off. Um, but then he did ultimately in the same right. stroke kill him. Right. Yeah. And, sorry, I might have missed it, but did you say why he targeted their family or it was just... He just saw them playing out in the, in the he, yard. And he saw the kids. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. If I remember Never correctly... Never play out in the yard again. His, the other three family members that he killed back at the house, they were found with their heads, like, completely wrapped up in duct tape. Oh, oh my god. Like, I did he not did that, that before he hit them with, I think he hit them in the head with a hammer, right? Yes. Yeah, crushed their heads. Which is just such a weird detail, like, why, why did he wrap them up in duct tape? Yeah, maybe start, maybe like, as- asphyxiation. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe they passed out from that. Such and- a... Just a crazy, violent guy. From the get-go. get-go. Yeah. Age five, you said, is when he, is when he, no, he targeted someone at, at the age of five when he was eight. Yeah. He yeah. was eight. And, and he... they were five? You think? Yeah. Yeah, that's so young. You're so young. If he would have gotten the help he needed at that age, then like any, none of this hopefully wouldn't yeah. have happened. Right. Or if they would have kept him in jail because mm-hmm. he was a repeat offender, yeah, this family would have been able to, you know, grow together. Yeah. And both brothers would have, you know, come out with this great life. Yeah. Hopefully. You never know. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that. So, big time mm-hmm. failure on the justice system, but at the end of the day... It is Joseph Duncan's fault that all right. this bullshit happened. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But there's just to be in and out of jail that, that many, many times. times for the yeah. same crimes. Yes. Yeah. There's just a point where you need to learn, and yeah. you know that time should have been the last time, and he should have stayed in. Yeah. You know. Yes. Because if he's done it five times before, what's going to stop him from doing it the sixth? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And sadly, the sixth time was. So much more elevated. Was there any other information on um, the 10-year-old he killed? Um, there was, but I was just focusing on the... The family? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I think that's the first time 
I've heard of that case. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it prior, but then looking into it, there was like a bunch of people who've covered it, so I'm but surprised maybe, I've never. Maybe I have because I feel like I did say 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 some say 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 something about the case. Hmm. So maybe I did have heard it, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I talked about the waitress and the people took us. Oh, because I told you about that. Oh, I well, I about... learned it from Alex. Learned yeah, I it told from you after Alex. I listened to the Time Suck episode, I told you all about it. Because there's a Denny's right by where I live that I drive past almost every day. And every time I drive past there, I think about that case. No, and we will never eat at Denny's again. <laughs> Maybe. I kind of like Denny's. I don't sometimes. like Denny's. I don't like Denny's. I don't, I think I don't I either, but when it's super late... And Go to Sherry's. Sherry's. Well, yeah, the Sherry's is right next to the Denny's here. Stuff hash browns so. all day, baby. Yeah. Is that their pie? I don't like pie. Oh. You're wrong. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's the crust and the gooey berries. So all of it? Yeah. Okay. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that was terrible. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I you know, need to start last... picking lighter cases. Please. I know. I mean, I know. your Washington case. I mean, your Washington case was bad, but it wasn't. I feel like you've covered a lot of kill- killers of children. Yeah. And <sighs> so, I mean, last time they were young adults, but they weren't like young kids. Yeah. So. For for our next couple cases, please don't do that. <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> Buzz, buzz. Do we want to take a break? Do we need to go to the bathroom or anything? Do you need I to go to the bathroom. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Yes. I do not. We'll be back. Maybe. <laughs> Bye. Too See you soon. That. Bye. All right. That was fun. That was fun. Okay. Ready? Yes. I think before I start my case, I am going to finish my drink. Oh, yeah. Do it. I only have this much left. See, look. Is that a lot? Can't do it. <laughs> Good face. Oh, I can smell it from here. <laughs> it's so fiery. It's so fiery. <laughs> and I'm warm. <laughs> and it's not that I look like a baby. Mackenzie got another picture of me taking a shot or a drink of my drink or whatever. Oh my god, are we recording? <laughs> oh god, it was not good. Can we, for our next couple of states, can we not have dark alcohol? Isn't it? I don't know. Well, Isn't the next one Bud Light? Yeah. Well, next is Montana. Oh. And that's, oh, which is oh, whiskey. Yeah. So today's gonna be fun for you guys. Ha 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 ha! Times. Ah, this is so fun. So fun. Okay. Hey, was your idea. I know, and I'm having fun. <laughs> it's fun. That was reassuring. <laughs> okay, Are you guys ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay. This week I'll be covering the case of a serial killer known as the Black Widow or Flypaper Lydia. Flypaper Lydia, not as cool of a nickname as the Black Widow. It all comes back together. Oh, I mean, look at we got the flypaper. We just need a Lydia. Um, okay. We have a Merlot. We Obviously. do have a Black Widow named Merlot. Alex once got a bag of grapes from Fred Myers, mm-hmm. and inside the bag of grapes, there was a Black Widow. So now we have a Black Widow. Now I have a pet Black Widow. Her name's Merlot. Oh, Mackenzie's gonna finish her drink. Finish it or no? Finish it. Oh, she did it. She did it. How do you feel? Why did you do that so easily? Chaser. Oh, I guess I didn't have a chaser. I had my coffee. That would have been so gross. Um, (laughs) Gross. Every time I took a sip of my drink while you were talking, it took everything in me not to go, you should (gasps) have. Okay. (laughs) So, in Twin Falls, Idaho... Ed Myers, a ranch foreman, met his soon-to-be bride, Lydia Southard, in a cafe where she worked. The two got married on August 10th, 1920, but they were not able to enjoy married life for very long, because soon after the two tied the knot, Myers got very ill. Meyer and one of his ranch hands became violently ill after eating a meal cooked by Ed's new wife. 
They had horrible cramps, nausea, and diarrhea. The ranch hand luckily had recovered, but Ed did not have the same luck. He was taken to the hospital, where it looked like he was beginning to recover, but then out of nowhere he took a turn for the worse. On his death certificate, it was listed that Ed's death was caused by typhoid. Right? That's how you pronounce typhoid. Typhoid, yes. Um, which, was a, which was common at the time and was most likely the result of drinking tainted water. The couple had been married almost a month before Ed's death on September 7th, 1920. In that month, Ed was very busy drawing up a new will and getting new life insurance policy for $10,000. Coincidentally, both of these were named, these named Lydia as the sole beneficiary. Weird. Beneficiary. Oh, funny coincidence. That's what I said. (laughs) The town became suspicious of how quickly Ed died and how quickly Lydia tried to claim the insurance money. So the company requested an autopsy to be done before any money was collected. Lydia agreed to this, but soon she fled. Twin cities, or Twin Falls. This this suspicious activity caught the eye of Earl Dooley, who was a... What was so funny? Earl Dooley is a funny name. Earl Dooley. It's a very Idaho name, I feel like. Who was a... My name's Earl Dooley, and I'm from Idaho. who (laughs) Who was a chemist and... Also, a relative of Lydia's first husband, Robert. <gasps> okay, so that was in. That I was gasped in. like I understood, but <gasps> I was not actually following. I was too focused on the name Earl Dooley. Oh. Say it again. Same. <laughs> this, <laughs> ignore Earl Dooley. Okay. Ignore that. I guess don't ignore him because he's kind of important. He's a chemist. <laughs> and he's the relative of Lydia's first husband, Robert. So, Ed Meyer's death took place in 1920. We're going to go back a few years, and we're going to meet Lydia. Lydia was born Lydia Ann May Trueblood. She was born on October 16th. <laughs> Same. 1892. <laughs> Me too. In 1892 in Keatsville, Missouri. She was the third child out of 11 in a devout church-going family. Which, once again, too many fucking kids. Yes. What are you doing? Can I see that? Yeah. Alex is determined to include (laughs) Bionicles in this podcast wherever he can. So right now he's setting up the Bionicle with the little shot glass we had. Um, We'll probably now include pictures (laughs) like you wanted. (laughs) You don't have to. I'm just Um, keeping myself preoccupied. Okay. Um, When Lydia was a teen, she made the move with her family to Twin Falls, Twin Falls, Idaho in 1906. A few years... This is not going to be easy. (laughs) A few years later, on March 17th, 1912, at the age of 21... She married her first husband, Robert Dooley. The young couple moved on to Robert's brother's, Robert's brother, Ed Dooley's ranch in Twin Falls. Things started out great for the new couple. Two years after their marriage, they had a daughter who they named Lorraine in 1914. So, happy couple. Things were going great. Yep, that's her. She's cute little chubby-ass baby. She's, she's super cute. cute. Um... Soon after the birth of her daughter, things started to change in the worst way. Before her second birthday, Lorraine had passed away from drinking dirty well water, according to Lydia. Ooh, dirty well water. And then later that year, in August, Ed Dooley, Lydia's brother-in-law, also died due to food poisoning. His life insurance of $2,000 was split between Lydia and Robert. Hmm. Next to fall is Robert. In October of the same year, he also fell ill, having many of the same symptoms as his brother. Nausea, cramps, diarrhea, and weaknesses. Must be hereditary. Yeah. He th- that hereditary bad water. <laughs> Everybody, Idaho is bad water. Um, All he- we do with this episode is talk shit about Idaho. I'm sorry, Idaho. <laughs> Honestly, there's probably a lot of Idaho's awesome stuff in great. Idaho, and I know it's got a lot of beauty, so... <laughs> Idaho, we don't hate you. I feel like, did we not talk shit about Washington? Not really. Um, I feel like as a Washingtonian, you, you can't, can't really. Talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's true. Um, <laughs> Robert, then like his brother and daughter, died on October twelfth of nineteen fifteen. So 
They were married for three years before he died. They all died on the same day? No. Oh. No. The daughter died in 1914. Um, later that year, the brother died in August, gotcha. the brother-in-law. And then on October 12th of 1915, Robert died. Um, it says his cause of death was listed as typhoid fever. This left Lydia alone in her mid-twenties, but she had all of Robert's property and the life insurance money to support herself. Why didn't she get sick? She doesn't she drink dirty. She doesn't drink water. dirty well water. She only drinks tap water from icebergs, glaciers, uh, mountains, icebergs. Moving on. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> a short two years later, she met William McCaffle, and in June of 1917, the two were married. She sold Robert's property and convinced her new husband to move to Montana. In September, William also started to show symptoms like severe cramps, diarrhea, and fatigue. Take a shot for every time I say diarrhea. No. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the next month, on October 1st, he died, leaving Lydia a widow for the second time. No one really questioned this death due to the fact that this was in the midst of the Spanish flu pandemic... Mm-hmm. Pandemic. Mm-hmm. And due to panda all Express. the panda express, the Spanish flu panda express, and due to all the bodies piling up in the morgues, the physician likely didn't have time to do a proper autopsy on him. And based off the symptoms that Lydia described, William's death was listed as influenza and diphtheria, another common infection brought on by drinking dirty water. After her second husband's death, she quickly collected his $500 life insurance policy. But the tragedy that seemed to follow Lydia did not stop there. A year after her second husband's death, she was married again. We're on husband number three. Move on real quick. Only a year later. I feel like that's not enough time to... But back then, they would get married Uh, like two weeks ago. It's so funny. This is like always the... The the M.O. with female serial killers is they marry and then they kill with poison for life insurance. It's like... Well, it's mess-free. That's, that's like number one um, way women serial killers kill is by poisoning. Right. Mess-free, easy. Yeah. They don't have to hit or It's easily shoot. explainable. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No chance of getting overpowered when somebody's just dying because they're eating some food. Right. <laughs> In 1919, she married a man named Harlan Lewis. The couple got married and then settled in Billings, Montana. He, much like Lydia's first two husbands, brother-in-law, and daughter, fell ill of a flu bug. Oh my gosh. Which, come on, by now, who isn't suspecting this woman? Like, yeah. how many people? Five people have Five. now gotten sick just being around her? Maybe she stinks. <laughs> I know I stink. I have, I am getting warm from alcohol. Well, you better take out a life insurance policy on me and Kinsey. Mm, Maybe. (laughs) Harlan died in July of 1919. It is said that his death was just a short two months after they were wed. Mm. She collected $5,000 of his life insurance and then fled back to Twin Falls and started to go by the name of Anne May McCaffle. So she dropped Lydia, but I'll still refer to her as Lydia. Okay. Anne May was, I think, her middle names. This brings us back to the top case, where I told you about Ed Meyer and the the ranch foreman and his quote-unquote mysterious death only three weeks after their marriage. Now remember, Meyer's death caught the eye of Earl Dooley. Do I need to give you guys a minute to get over that name? Earl Dooley? Earl Dooley. He sounds like he tows three trailers. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the, a relative of Robert Dooley, Lydia's first husband. Earl, a chemist from Twin Falls, began to study the deaths of people around Lydia. He, Good. Yeah. He was like, something's fishy. Something smells a little fishy. She's a little stinky. We're going we're gonna to study her. <laughs> he, along with another chemist and a physician, were able to come to the conclusion that Ed and Robert were murdered by arsenic poisoning. They were able to come to this conclusion by testing the dirt from the 
place where Lydia said that Robert's body had fallen. When they tested when they tested that dirt in the lab, tests came back positive for arsenic. So it had been a few years since Robert's death, but they went back and tested the dirt where his body had fallen. Just like where he fell down. Pour a bucket of it on him? Like what? I don't know. I don't know. So he wait, he drank something with arsenic in it mm-hmm. and then he fell down mm-hmm. and in died. Dirt. Uh-huh. And then, like, a few years later, they go and test the dirt and they find arsenic. Yeah, I don't know the half-life of arsenic. Maybe it stays on things for a long time. But why? It was inside his body. Okay. But it would, like, ooze out. I guess, if his body was there for a while, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Arsenic is a hard poison to detect, being that it is tasteless and odorless, making it an easy poison to sneak into foods and or drinks. That's my go-to. Really? How many people have you killed? I'm not telling you. I can't tell you that. Sim- symptom. Well, then tell me the system. The system. Sis- symptoms. The symptoms. Symptoms of arsenic poisoning. If it's your go-to, you die. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. That's the number symptoms one. Symptoms of arsenic poison include abdominal pain, cramps, diarrhea, weakness, and seizures. A lot of these symptoms can also be confused for typhoid or diphtheria. So, it was. Or COVID. Really? Probably. Hmm. I don't think COVID was around back then. But it is now. Mm. Okay. All the COVID numbers are just because of me poisoning people with arsenic. <laughs> no, it's not. That is a lie. We are not the cause just of Just to keep COVID. all you sheeple oppressed with COVID and masks. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Once they thought they knew that Robert... Doily was poisoned with arsenic, they take their findings to the state prosecuting attorney, Frank Stephan. Frank orders Stephen. I just say Stephan, I'm sorry. Your dad's name is Stephen. And I call him Stephan. Which is wrong. Um, Frank orders for Robert's body to be exhumed and tested for arsenic. And who would have guessed it? His body came back with... Positive signs showing for high amounts of arsenic. Enough arsenic to kill five men. This oh, one so man. that's why there were still traces oh, wow. from the other guys, yeah. because she's using way too much. Yeah. Once these results came back, Frank had Lydia's three other husbands, her brother-in-law and her daughter, her daughties. Her daughter. Oh, maybe Is I that do short need for to Dorothy? be the one to go first. <laughs> How many Dorothys Her daughter's body exhumed, as well as tested for arsenic. And wouldn't you know it, each and every one of them came back having traces of arsenic. Police would start the hunt for Lydia, who fled the state. They did, however, look at her house. And when they did a search of her house, they found mass quantities of rolled flypaper, as well as barrels filled with water in which to soak the flypaper to extract the arsenic from it. So that's why she was called Flypaper Lydia. It's because she was using the arsenic in flypaper... I feel like I've heard people. that method on an episode of Wine and Crime about femme fatales. There was like a, was like a whole village of women that this like one doctor lady. Yeah, was they serving went to them. the same doctor lady to get rid of their husbands, and she just gave them the like flypaper poison method, and they all got rid of their husbands. And then eventually, somebody noticed that this town had like no no men in it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now would be a nice town. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Following the same routine, after she killed Meyer and was questioned a little, she fled to, fled Idaho and ended up in California, where she met and married her fifth husband, Paul Southard. She attempted and failed to convince him to take out a large insurance policy, but Paul was in the U.S. military and was already covered. So this most likely saved his life. <laughs> the couple was transferred to Hawaii, where authorities finally caught up with Lydia and arrested her. Paul, being a smart man, divorced Lydia after her arrest. <laughs> Good. She was ultimately extradited back to Idaho to face charges for Ed Meyer's murder. Her trial began on October 3rd, 1921, and lasted for six weeks. It was a national spectacle. She was the first of her kind in the nation. A female serial killer. So allegedly she is the nation's first female serial killer. Which is pretty cool. 
But in the end, she was only found guilty of second-degree murder, and she was sentenced to 10 years. Her story doesn't end yet. During her time in the women's ward at the, at the Idaho State Penitentiary, she befriended or be- became pen pals with a fellow prisoner named David Mitten. She just really got around. She got around. Yeah. And she was, she was like, reported to be a very beautiful for her time and, you know, all that stuff. She There's pictures. Look, she looks pretty. Yeah. Gotta make that bread somehow. <laughs> the two really hit it off. When Mitten was released, um, he, with the help of a few guards, Lydia wooed, helped Lydia escape on May 4th, 1931. So she wooed some guards uh. to, like, you know, give her some rope and, like, some stuff to escape. I don't know if that they knew it was for escape, but like she right. she got them to get her some things, and then this mitten man helped her escape Do you through know a the window. Muffin man? Then what? The mitten man. The mitten man. Do you know the mitten man? I do not know the mitten man. Who lives in Idaho? <laughs> Idaho. <laughs> the, the two made their way to Denver, Colorado, before splitting up. This is where she started working for and then marrying. Sixth husband. Sixth husband. Yep. Marrying Henry Whitlock, her sixth husband. Once Harry learned of Lydia's true identity, excuse me, he helped police in their arrest and got their marriage annulled. Good. Mm -hmm. Before she could convince him to take out any other life policies or get her hands on flypaper. So this man was smart. (laughs) She was taken back to the penitentiary. On October 2nd, 1941, at the age of 48, Lydia was given a six-month probationary release, and then a year and a half later, she received a full pardon. Once out, she moved to Oregon to live with a sister before heading back to Twin Falls and marrying husband number seven, Hall Shaw, who disappeared two years after their marriage. Hmm. That's it on him. He disappeared two years after their marriage, and that's it. That's she got it? smarter. Yeah, on him. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, seven. figured out some better body disposal methods. Yeah, number seven. She learned how Did to Did she dis- get any life insurance off of him? I know, it didn't say. I'm it sure. Just, it just said that he disappeared. So I don't know <laughs> if he's like, this lady's fucking crazy. I'm walking. Or if she got her hands on some flypaper. Wow. Huh. Yeah. But I also don't know how, like, she killed so many men in Twin Falls. How, like, the town would accept her back in. It's a little yeah. crazy. Um. On February 5th, 1958, at the age of 65, Lydia, who at the time was now going by Anne E. Shaw, died of a heart attack while carrying groceries on a city street in Salt Lake City, Utah. She is now buried at Sunset Memorial Park in Twin Falls. In a grave nearby are her daughter, McCaffle, her second husband, and Myers, her fourth husband. So she just, you know, good old party with all her family. So she... Did she get punished at all for any yes. of her crimes? Yes, she went to jail, and she was supposed to serve ten years. Uh huh. Oh, and then she escaped. Escaped, mm-hmm. and then she went back on October. S- she went back, and then was given a probationary release, and then a year and a half later, she was fully pardoned. Why was she fully pardoned? Mm-hmm. She's pretty. She wooed the guards. I don't know. Pretty women can't be murderers. They don't have that kind of time. They work in the kitchen. <laughs> and yeah, that is that is it on Lydia Southard, the first nation's first female serial killer, the Black, Black. Widow, Flypaper Lydia. I like that she she was called the Black Widow and she used flypaper, which is you know they yeah. both catch flies. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, and I I added I'll add some pictures, but there are a few of Lydia. Um, she. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just because I wasn't around at the time. But I just think she looks Aww. like a woman. Her first husband looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But yeah, and then there yeah. are... In there's that another, picture, she's really pretty. Yeah, in another yeah. post, there is like a news clipping with um, four of her husbands. And then in another one, there is one of her and her, hus- her first husband and her little baby... Um, yeah, I don't know why she had to take anything out on her baby, but I mean, the baby Long was away. the first to go, so maybe it was like a test subject. Yeah. But fucking brutal. Yeah. This bitch. That was a fun fun one to um research because 
it, I, I hadn't heard of her, and we had yet covered anyone, like, female. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like... I covered... Um... Oh, but she worked with... She worked with Ian. Yeah. Moira. Moira Rose. Moira <laughs> Henley. Um, yeah. That's it for my case. I feel like I went really quick. Very I'm cool. sorry if I talked too quick. No, it's all good. I feel like all female serial killers are given the nickname the Black Widow. So maybe I shouldn't shit on Flypaper Lydia so much because it is a little Different. bit original. Yeah. Um, she definitely was a, a widow. Well, it's a, a lot widow. of the times I think, you, like, <laughs> like you said, um, women serial killers target their husbands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're a widow if your husband's been killed. Right. So what? Just, what? You're a widow if your husband's killed? Okay. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, I feel like one of the characters from last episode also looked like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Or do I just think that Everybody looks all like... men look like Joseph Gordon-Levitt? <laughs> I don't think he looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He does. Look at him. Levitt. He's Joseph Gordon-Levitt with a weirder haircut. No. You guys tell us what you think. We'll have pictures up on First the... husband on the on picture the with her and the baby and her first husband... I don't know. I think he's cute. Okay, so I think it is the time of the podcast where we ask Alex where we're going to next. Yeah, Alex, where are we going next? Where are we? Where are Japan! We? No, just um, kidding. We're going uh, to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be going to Montana next, not Japan. Um, and I think that's it for... You think you're so funny. I think that's it for this week's episode. I think it's um, funny because you guys are both mad at me. We're not mad. Not mad. We're not mad. I was uh, just surprised. It wasn't what I was expecting you to say. Um, Mackenzie, do you have anything to add? Go follow us at ABC underscore murder underscore pod on Instagram. Yeah, and by the first, by the time you read read this, no. By the time you listen to this, we'll have our first two episodes up and our first couple posts up. Um, I think how we're going to do it is a day before the podcast is out, we're going to upload what the drink is and then our reactions to the drink. Yeah, and okay. then um, we'll upload the podcast and then put out the photos that go along with it so you guys can kind of follow along if you want. Um, and then I'm sure along the way we'll add some random pictures throughout or just all those sort of fun things. Maybe we'll add pictures of Alex's Bionicles drinking. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Creole getting shoes depends today. Um, yeah, I think hey, that's I'm feeling that a little bit. Feeling that drink, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was rough. Um, and then we have been brainstorming on our end about what we're going to do. I know it's only number three, but what we're going to do after the states are done. But if you guys have any recommendations for where we should go after the states, or if you have any um, story recommend recommendations. Um, send them to us. Our email is abcmurderpod at gmail.com and we will check those out. But I think that's it. See you next time. Bye. Later. Bye. 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 Ha <laughs> <laughs>